Welcome to the Ag Emerge podcast brought to you by Ag Solutions Network. We're here to move the ag paradigm forward by helping you regenerate your soils using new ideas, research, and emerging technologies. Get ready to improve your soil, your crops, your livestock, and your family's livelihood. I'm Kim Sheese. And I'm Monty Bottens. And we're your hosts. Thanks for joining us. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast as we talk with Dr. Michelle Perro, a veteran pediatrician with over 39 years of experience in acute and integrative medicine. She was also one of our speakers on this year's Ag Emerge stage. As you know, we think it's so important to bring you guests that speak about all of the spokes in the wheel of soil health, including its impact on human health. Dr. Perro has co-authored the highly acclaimed book, What's Making Our Children Sick? And she's got firsthand experience working with families to both diagnose and treat conditions that are making our kids sick. These conditions have led her to explore even deeper into regenerative agriculture and organic farming. What I appreciate about her is her eagerness to engage in conversations with growers to understand how we can all work together to solve these challenges. Today, I, along with Megan Silcott, our Director of Marketing, have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Perro, and we just welcome you to the podcast. We're so glad to have you here, and you know, we always find it's important to understand your why. Can you tell us about the journey that brought you here and what drives you to connect with growers and learn more about how to help your patients? Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Kim, Megan. Glad to be back. I had a great time with Ag Emerge back in January. Um, so briefly, um, I could go on a bit, uh, but I don't want to be too long-winded. Um, there was a recognition into about midway through my career. I've been at this about 40 years now that kids had significant gut issues and it was linked to pesticides. And um, it's through one of the patients in our practice, the mom kind of, I think she just needled me to death. And I finally caved. And through that caving, I learned about this relationship. When I changed kids' diet and saw such a profound health change from getting off the, the industrial food wheel of GMOs, pesticides, and food-like products, which aren't real food in my opinion, um, they're just calories and mostly empty calories of that, to real whole food, which is not just organic, but now, uh, now I think of as regenerative organic food, because that has changed, guys, over the years as I've learned more and more about this. And, and when I recognize that change, which now has been going on about 20 years, I, I wasn't trained in this area, even though I'm a pediatrician, that all of a sudden, uh, light bulbs flashing, big Broadway moment, dance, music, and I've never looked back. And, and changing diets is the leg of the three-legged stool in my practice. If people don't, do not change their diets, I really recommend they don't work with me. Because even if I can help families get better, and it begins with the kids and then the parents, the, the effects aren't sustained if they lapse back into their old way of eating. Um, so we need a familial cultural food shift. And the only way that can happen is a partnership between practitioners, folks like me, and the growers, folks like you. And we need to be in conversation, community, 
collaboration, this idea that there are farmers over there, practitioners over here, and we don't meet is crazy. And, and if I had my way, and I can talk more about this, every kid, every eater, every parent would spend time on a farm. So that's, uh, that's how I got into it. Um, but gosh, I am not unique. I think Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine um, and let medicine be thy food. Um, so I'm certainly not, not new to this, but just re-embracing it in a very technocratic driven era of our lives. That's so well said. And we, and we just appreciate that you're taking the time to understand all of the pieces, not just your one piece of the puzzle, because I think so many times we just treat symptoms and we don't look at the cause of them. And so when we look at the cause, we really can start to identify and figure out how to, how to make those changes. You mentioned the three-legged stool. What are the other two legs of the stool that you asked them to work on? Well, so, you know, there is the three-legged stool. So I, I approach their food. I mean, this is how simple it is. It's, it's mind-body medicine, actually. I, I, their food and water, because water is unfortunately contaminated, and we all need to be drinking filtered water um, until we clean up our water systems. Uh, food and water, um, their air, um, the, the, what they breed, and the, so their internal milieu, external milieu, and what they put on their bodies. So those are the three things I address in every conversation. What are you eating? What are you drinking? What are you breathing? I.e., what are you bringing into your home? The dust, the chemicals, and what are what does our personal care look like from our detergents to our shampoos? And so environmental toxicants. What is making our children sick? I wrote that book a few years ago with my colleague, Dr. Adams, is really clear to me. It's not, it's environmental toxicants. And that comes in many ways from air pollution, from water and pesticides. So among many others. So, and we, there are things we can't control as you gals know, but the things we can control. And when we control, can control what we eat, what we drink, what we put on our bodies, kids, families, the pooch, the family dog get better. It's, it's I, I, I invite everyone to do your own family study. It's like, why should they believe Dr. Dr. Perra? What does she know? I'd say, do it yourself, your own family experiment. But it takes about a month. You can't just do like two days of eating kale salad in life and we're done. Like, no, put down the, the Mike's pizza, start shifting your diet. Let's get a simple carbon-based water filter. It doesn't have to be some in-home expensive system, a simple carbon filter to start and take your shoes up at the door. And not only that, but from my experience, having now worked with farmers, farmers are super practical people. Like, geez, the money you save by reducing personal care products and using vinegar and water instead of expensive cleaning products, the money you save is shocking. It's a savings. So let's be practical, let's be thrifty, and let's help our bodies. To me, that's a win, win, win. So that's my simple stool before I start delving into treatment. And that's a whole nother thing. But as you guys know, listeners know, I'm a holistic practitioner. And Kim, you touched upon this, looking for root cause. We don't just treat symptoms, we go to the root cause. And in the case of farmers, it's in the roots, it's in the soil. And that's all about what I'm looking at right now is soil, microbiome, and gut health. So wonderful. Can you tell us about your recent 
dive into learning about farming? So, yes. So this is something that was on my to-do list. And, and fortunately, unfortunately, the pandemic had me at home more. Um, tra not traveling as much to my job gave me extra time and I went back to school. And our local college was doing an organic farming course, which I took. And because I said, well, gee, Michelle, here you are, a New York City gal telling farmers what, what they're going to do. How arrogant, how egregious. So I said, you need to learn what you're talking about, hands in the dirt. And although it's during the pandemic, it was on Zoom, but I volunteer in the farm or the local college farm every week and got my hands dirty. Well, almost every week. But um, so I, again, appreciated how tough farming is, how scientific it is, how much goes into it. And what I took away from it is what it takes to really run an organic farm. Take some work. It's not a simple transition. Okay, we're just not gonna use GMO crops and Roundup. It takes planning and there has to be a transition. And it's a very scientific formulated utilization of farmers fields, what they can keep fallow, what they need to grow and how to turn a profit. I, I understand it a lot better now. We had to do analyses and farm plots and looking at spreadsheets and five-year plantings and how to do crop rotations. So to, um, because I learned what tools farmers use like uh, crop rotations and cover cropping and all that sort of thing. And it takes a lot of planning. And when you plant light feeders and heavy feeders and all this was news to me. And unfortunately the college stopped the course after us, even though this farmer who is a farmer who teaches it, he makes a living in our community farming. And he has struggled with it. He's, and we, I just went and visited his farm this past week. And it was amazing on a half acre plot. He has three one half acre plots. He's able to stay in his family, one or two workers and make a living because organics bring in a high price. And he's able to do it and his crops are beautiful and he waters in a drought restricted area once a week because his soil is so healthy. We also learned about irrigation systems and I was so blown away by that. And in a fire talk we just had in my community because California is high fire danger right now. It turns out that organic soil, regenerative soil does better during a fire. Well, no surprise there. So all these things I've been learning um, and I'm gonna continue my studies. I'm such a little goody two shoes, um, brown nose student. I got 108 out of 105 on my course, did all my little tests. Um, and, but the bottom one line was I learned so much. We had a great textbook on organic farming. I took this course very seriously. And the correlations I can make between soil health and human health nutrient density in soil for plants and, and, and children's nutrient density were so similar. I mean, children are not plants, but the nutritional needs, immune function, growth, all that stuff, there's so many crossovers. I was astounded and um, just learned so much. So, and I'm gonna continue, I think, for a wine growing course, viticulture. I do enjoy a little red wine, as you know, organic, please. Um, and so I'm gonna continue my study just cause I wanna learn it all. I, I will not be growing. Well, maybe Monty will have me come out and I'll grow some wine for him. Um, but that's my, I'm gonna keep learning and growing um, 
and I and hopefully that will keep helping my patients. Sure, I have no doubt it will. Um, I follow up question to your your schooling. How do we help medical doctors in the human field? How do we help them learn more about soil health and how to apply it as you have in your practice now? What if we started that at, in a much earlier learning stage for our medical doctors? What would that look like? You know, I think we have to get students early, like in high school, even before they go down the path. So one is start early. And I think in the perfect world, every community, every farmer should offer their local high school some kind of service course for students to volunteer. Many high schools now have service, community service that they need to do. Um, they have to do so many hours to graduate. I don't know if that's true in the Midwest. It's true here in California. So rather than have, they could volunteer in farms. We do it here. And the, the guy, our, my teacher did it. And that's the first thing is get kids starting to think about really where their food comes from and, and bring that forward. And I think it should be a requirement, not, you know, not an elective course, but a required course that everyone has to spend time on a farm um, and an organic farm. I don't think we should teach chemical inputs. I think we should teach a regen ag and how we do regenerative farming um, and how that offsets climate change and all the things that go with that. But to your question and your point, Megan, how do we get it into medical schools? That's a challenge um, because medical school is drug-based. It's not food-based. And so pharmacology has their tentacles wrapped around the medical curriculum um, for a year of pharmacology. And we talked about this. I did a talk on this for you guys at Ag Emerge. And we get, I got two hours of nutrition. Some schools offer two weeks. You need like a semester of nutrition. It's such a complicated area of what we need to grow, especially now. Um, but the other thing we can do is talk to eaters, consumers, parents, and, and they can feedback to their practitioners, literally feedback. And so we say, you need to talk to your doctor about how come they're not teaching about nutrition. For example, during the pandemic, how much did we hear about nutrition? It, there was this gaping hole, this paucity of information. You boost your immune function by what you eat. There are certain foods that are very good. I'm not even talking about supplements. I'm talking about your nutrition to boost your immune function. I mean, here's something for your listeners. We know that mushrooms boost immune function, like all of them. And how simple is that? I mean, including mushrooms in your diet, um, something as simple as that. And, or, you know, antioxidants, the phytochemicals in, in veggies and the why we tell families eat the rainbow. Phytochemicals boost nutrition and, oh, immune function. Um, so this, um, so I think that we can have to go at it through students, through med schools, ooh, it's gonna be a tough sell, but through consumers and what consumers are asking from them, from their practitioners. And they, the consumers can uh, send back to their HMOs or their health clinics and say, hey, I'd like to see a prevention nutrition course. I know Kaiser, which is a big HMO here in California, offers courses, offer nutrition courses for their, for their parents. They'll save lots of money too. Another win-win. You know, there's so many things that you touched on there, but really just understanding 
how that food is impacting our immune system. And I'm thrilled to learn that my love for mushrooms is actually beneficial to me. So I appreciate so much that, um, that you're looking at these different avenues that we can plug in and, and get people connected. And I think, as you said very well, the consumer can really drive a lot of this. And, and that's what we think we've really found as we've looked at doing this regenerative process and adding livestock back to the land and, and hearing what our consumers are saying to us about the food that they're purchasing and and how it was grown and the, the flavor profile and those type of things. So there's a lot of work there to be done. I'm hoping that we can give growers and, and also consumers and parents a, a bit of a bright light. Like, can you tell us a little bit about what are the things, like what's an aha that you've seen um, with patients that you've worked with where they've been in a, in a situation that was not healthy and, and what are the things that change? What changes in your body when you eat right? Like, what can you expect when those things happen? People just think, oh, I feel better. No, there's probably a whole litany of things that change. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Let me, let me talk about it because um, one of the things I tell folks is to get off processed foods. So people think, well, gee, um, salad dressing in a bottle, it's a processed food, right? And if you look at the list of ingredients, for example, there's something they're called emulsifiers, which keeps everything mixed together so things don't separate. Gosh, we need those emulsifiers. Now, people say, well, gee, I'm buying an organic brand of processed food, so it doesn't have GMOs, pesticides, et cetera. So why can't I do that? Well, you still need emulsifiers, even though they may be non-synthetic emulsifiers, you need emulsifiers. So you say, okay, I don't want to put olive oil or, and lemon juice together to make a salad dressing. I need to buy a process. And salad dressing happens to be very expensive, by the way. And for shoppers, it could be an organic, orga non-organic bottle might be for $2.89 a bottle here in California. An organic bottle could be $3.89 or higher. So for one little bottle of salad dressing, organic olive oil and lemon juice is pretty cheap. Um, Costco, you can get like half gallon of organic olive oil for about $17. It can last for months. Uh, so just say, okay, because when people tell me about the price all the time, so let's, let's look at that price point. Now you say, Michelle, where are you going with this? Well, emulsifiers have a toxic effect on microbes. They are, they kill microbes um, is essentially what they do, emulsifiers. So Everything we're talking about now is about the microbiome, those, those organisms in your gut that actually are the key, one of the key elements for your immune function, because I keep you know, honing down immune function during this time, the pandemic era. Um, so emulsifiers kill off the microbiome. So every time you eat that salad dressing, organic or not, you're giving your microbiome a healthy dose of a die-off. Now, when those microbes die off, it's very hard to get them to grow back. When we look at the microbiota in, in patients, because I actually test it as an integrative practitioner, they, have, they may have an okay numbers, but they have lack of robustness. They don't have a diversity of the germs you need in your microbes. And what we've seen over the past 5,000 years, because they found the microbiota from 5,000 year old dummy, uh, you know, these uh, like mummified bodies, they were able to look at their microbiome. We don't even have the same organisms they have because the microbiome is diverse. 
and we had way less in diversity. And it's that diversity that keeps us healthy. Diversity is healthy. Maybe that's a good statement, even at this other climate change right now, this not just climate change, but um, just uh, racial diversity. Diversity is key to maintaining a robustness of community. And so to maintain this robust microbiome, you need to stop what's killing it. What's killing the microbiome are things in processed foods um, and pesticides. Those are some of the things of the two. So when I tell people, I said, eat organic and eat uh, real food, come off the processed foods. What people notice when they do that, their gut health is improved. They may have resolution of common symptoms that people are so common, they think everyone has it. Alternating constipation and diarrhea, frequent tummy aches, reflux, where their food comes up. Acid reflux, super common when the leading drugs sold in America is an acid blocker. So lots of people are suffering from acid. So they change those simple food things, eating more real food, less processed. Those simple symptoms of gut function get better. Your gut is your second brain. If your gut is healthy, your brain is healthier. And we spoke about that on the neuronutrition piece. And that's where our farmers come in. And farmers, you can help our tummies by creating this rich, robust food. If we can get people to stop eating processed food and buy directly from the farm. Now, a note for farmers. Farmers are busy. They don't have a lot of help. I think we need to do farm tours. Get people on the farms, offer products for sale, offer meals, and I mean, and offer plots. What if there was a farmer who had a fallow plot and they offered it as a community plot and they charged every person to come by X dollars to come help grow that community plot in your community. They make a living, the farmer needs to eat as well. So you pay the farmer, you have the community grow and the farmer can supervise the community growing communally in that plot. Why do we all need to grow tomatoes? So if we had people sharing, it builds community. The farmer gets paid, teach us farmer. We don't know a lot of this stuff and it's not intuitive. Farming to me is not intuitive. You grow up in a farming family, in a farming community, you go to farming school, ag school. And so I'm thinking farmers help us learn, help us get off the processed food, sad American diet, which is killing our kids. And the way we do this is being creative and farmers, we wanna support you. So we're not looking for freebie handouts here. We're willing to work for it. So I said, we need to be creative and that, so when you start talking to folks and you make these simple changes coming off processed foods, they feel better. Not to mention, if you're eating a processed food, 85% of them have soy lecithin. If it's not organic, that soy lecithin is a GMO soy. GMO and its associated pesticides. I mean, I know your, your folks know you don't need GMO alone. It has an associated pesticide, 2,4-D, dicamba, Roundup, oh, pick it, all my least favorite toxicants in the world. And so um, you see changes in gut health, you see changes in mental health, you see decrease in skin conditions. So people who have skin conditions are often not skin conditions. They're manifested in the skin, but the issue begins in the gut. Like which ones? Eczema, acne, rosacea, psoriasis. Psoriasis is an autoimmune skin condition associated with gluten, probably because you have a leaky gut. Maybe you have celiac. 
you likely have a leaky gut caused by loss of microbial protection caused by toxicants to your microbiome. And there are many. So this, it, it's complicated, but yet it's not. And we, you know, it's like using a computer. If you ask me how to program this computer I'm in front of right now, there's no way. I can, I can utilize it. It's the same thing. We may not understand what the farmers are doing and all the things they have to do to get a balanced soil. They add, you know, all their addendums that they have to put in and the enhancements. And I mean, it's complicated, And but we just eat it. But I'm saying, no, let's break that down. Let's bring this together and start sharing our knowledge in community. And what I love about Ag Emerge is as farmers shift, farmers help your community shift with you. You don't do this in isolation. Let's do this as community. I appreciate that. With so many things there to unpack, but the one thing that really strikes home with me is the diversity in our gut. And what do we talk about all the time with the different production systems that we're talking about is the diversity in the soil and the, and what, you know, we had Will Harris on here and he has a quote that says nature abhors a monoculture. And that is true in the soil and that is true in our gut. And so those connections are so key for us to understand. And, and we really are just at the beginning of it, aren't we? And really unpacking what can help us to draw those connections. Megan, I, I, you looked like you had another question. I'm thinking that, uh, you know, when families agree to work with you, you've mentioned that changing their diets is, is critical to helping them improve whatever symptoms that they're bringing to you, but how do you help them go and actually begin those transitions? So my thought question, my thought is it is okay to change your mind with new information. And how do you help families adjust to what other family members may say with their healthier choices or um, some of the stereotypes of, of making those transitions will exist even in the farming community. How can we help people accept that a healthier soil leads to a healthier end result in so many different ways? Excellent question. I like it because I myself have been, not recently in the past, victim of extensive eye rolling. Every party, every family gathering, every, everything, because I'm also like the food police. You know, people say, oh, there's Michelle, we can't have that dessert. And, you know, and I'm like, hey, guys, I'm not the food police. Okay, number one. Number two is I eat a certain way because I feel great when I eat that way. And there are other things we can do. Um, and so I think it's gotten better in my own family, but I still take a ton of heat, but it's better. However, what do we do? The pressure is intense. So you're in a family you go to a family gathering, the family barbecue, and process hot dogs, white bread rolls, maybe there's some watermelon, there's GMO corn, um, some maybe margarine oil, oleo spread. I don't even wanna go started on some processed stuff, right? And et cetera, you get the picture. Beer perhaps for adults. And the beer, the beer industry almost collapsed because all oh, there's so much glyphosate or Roundup you know, and the yeast are dying off. They couldn't even get beer started um, in some parts. And out of all the beers tested, I think all of them contain glyphosate, by the way. So beer, these drinks are full of pesticides, etc. So 
I'd say, okay, get a, get a set of thick skin, right? You know, you need a little bit of a thick skin and you're going to be that mom or dad. And I hope I want to keep saying dad and it's not just mom, dad too. And when that picnic, that family gathering, that Thanksgiving, you bring your bountiful meal with your organic ingredients and share it. And if it's not a holiday, it does not have to be a special bar barbecue. If you're making some organic, beautiful vegetable uh, casserole or whatever you're making, bring some to your relatives. If you need to live, bring some to your sister's kids, get them to try some stuff. If you have a home garden, you, you may not have a farm, get your nieces and nephews over to help pull the strawberries. There's nothing more fun to watch kids eat those strawberries. Include them in your process. And if you have a little basket of great leftover cucumbers from your organic yield, bring some to the neighbors. So this is how you do it. You have to sort of break down the stereotypes and offer these great foods. Because for those of us who do organic, we have to cook more. When you come off processed foods, it is cooking. Oh my God, I may, I was cooking. I tend to cook every day, all one day on Sundays. That's my cook day because I work. And um, I try to make all my cooked foods on one day, my crock pot stuff, my beans, my, the veggies, I cut them all up. It's not ideal. Veggies are better cut fresh, but do the best I can. I cut my onions and peppers and everything else. So it's ready. I put them in glass containers in the fridge. So I just have to pull them out. Even for a salad, I just pull them out. It's so much easier to do it that way. And, and, I, and I share it. Um, and if I make something, I shared it. I made an organic chicken salsa in the crock pot. My husband had his friends over this weekend uh, on Sunday and I made them all little tacos with my organic meal, all organic. I didn't make the tacos, those are packaged, but um, only corn, organic corn and like water and lime. I mean, I, I am a label nut, I read labels. And if I see more than three, five ingredients, I'm not buying it. So I look for corn, lime, and water or something like that. You know, that, that's it, that's far as I'm going. So this is how we have to do it. And I'd say, you know what? Laugh, people are rolling their eyes and making jokes. I'll laugh about it. You know, I've laughed a lot. I'd say, yeah, that may be true but I don't have autoimmune disease, you know? And uh, I'd say, yeah, um, I feel pretty good. I, I went um, at my relative's house, we had a dance party. I outdanced all my nieces and nephews. They said, oh my God, Aunt Michelle, you have so much energy. It's like, yeah, I said, it's what I eat. I, oh yeah, yeah, oh, wait a second. Wherever I can insert those little noxious messages subliminally, I do. Yes, I do. I kind of, <laughs> hey, we're old. We're allowed to do that. As you get older, you get a pass. And I do, I say, yeah, it's what I eat. I feel good. I have a lot of energy. So that's how we do it. But it's, to say it's easy, Megan, it's not. I don't think it's easy. And I had to take a lot of, a lot of joking initially until I learned to laugh too. It took me a while. That's wonderful. Thank you. I, what I heard is share, share what you have, share the bounty, share the health that you're bringing and let others enjoy that and see you're kind of bringing the light to them as far as demonstrating what they could be doing and dancing all night and feeling great. And the way you say that is spot on, Sh you know, show the light because it's all about light and you know actually light runs your mitochondria and receiving light 
And when you eat well and you eat, you, when you eat real food, you feel the energy and life of real food. It doesn't feel the same when you go pick out some veggies from your garden and then you and eat them. It's a whole different experience than store-bought, processed, I don't know, whatever you're eating, um, food-like thing. And so it feels different. And I think I can look to our Native American uh, colleagues for that. Um, so many Native American uh, tribal folks, that's what they talk about, that there's life in food. Uh, Chinese medicine talks about that. In Chinese medicine, they don't eat a lot of leftovers because they say the life is gone from the food. And so there is an energy in food and we, all food is, is data and energy for our body to run this system. I mean, we get it by taste, but it is just information to run our biologic systems. That's such a great way to look at it. And, and I do think that it is step-by-step step that you, you make these changes. You and I do something similar. I also do all my food prep on Sunday and, and, and I do that so that we can eat um, things that are fresh and we have our own garden. And I think that's kind of our saving grace at our house is that we don't eat a lot of processed food. You know, there's so many things for us to learn as we do this. And as you work with parents, you know, they're struggling to, to get their kids to change their diet, but for parents, you know, what are their biggest challenges as they're trying to help their children along these paths? Um, yeah, I say the biggest challenges I have found are time. Parents tell me they don't have time. And it's often the moms who are left with the family planning in the moms in the families I've worked with, and that needs to shift. It can, because both parents are working often. It's not just dad working. Many, most households, it's both parents working. So just to have mom be the stewardess or steward of food prep is not feasible. So the, the package stuff is easy. So they'll buy everything organic perhaps, but like organic pouches of baby food, which now we know is filled with heavy metals. It's a big issue right now, right? It's like, uh, no, don't, don't do that. Don't buy the pouches of, of organic baby food. Um, or they'll buy the package uh, uh, organic yogurts, all that stuff. It's on the right track. It's better, but it's, I would just cut that step out. And so what I tell families is there are some of you who are going to just change, but most of you, it's a process. So be gentle with yourself and what can we go in baby steps? So I'll often break it down. Can we just do fruits and veggies first? Like if, if we go organic or let's say, can we just too expensive? Can we go shop at Trader Joe's or Costco or whatever's in your neighborhood? Um, farmers markets are often not uh, more in, uh, inexpensive, but at least you know their quality and they come right from the farm. Okay, we can't do that. I always recommend farmers markets first um, by saying, okay, let's go to Trader Joe's or Costco. Uh, that's what we have here. And you can find a lot of organics at Costco. They're the number one buyer of organics in the US, I believe. And I say, let's start there. And I tell moms and dads, one, the kids have to be in the kitchen. This is a family prep, not a mom prep. So kids as little as three, but really five can help with dinner and lunches. There's no reason why they can't. And boys love knives, get them chopping. So everyone should be chopping and get, they have these safety knives uh, for kids. You've seen them, they're not very expensive um, and kids can learn to use knives very carefully and learn to chop. 
Like then parents may say, I never learned to cook. I hear that. I'm an only child. My mother never taught me. My father worked all the whatever. I say, bummer. But there are so many YouTubes now. You don't even have to go to class. Pandemic, you have no time. Just take a basic, um, there's a YouTube course, how to make a simple dinner for kids. And you don't have to be Julia Child um, or you don't have to be, you know, Chez Panisse here. You can make simple meals. You can make a simple couscous with some raw carrots and, uh, you know, some uh, organic canned beans. Is that ideal? No, uh, we're going to get away from that, but it's a place to start. So make simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. People overcomplicate things. And there's no, get out of this mindset. What I tell parents, for one of the first things I tell them is what we eat for breakfast, what we eat for lunch, what we eat for dinner. dinner dinners can be breakfast. Lunches can be breakfast. Dinners can be lunches. This idea that we are eating carby toast and juice for breakfast, who said that? So I say, serve last night's dinner for breakfast. As a matter of fact, you should be eating dinner for breakfast because that's a healthier meal and a more sustaining meal. So get out of this waffles or pancakes, this carb sugar rich food. And that's one of the first things I do is break this mindset of what a breakfast should be. And so we start working on those things. I ask parents to show me pictures. Some parents who need a lot of handholding, I ask them, can you send, show me pictures of your pantry? We've done a lot of this on Zoom. And it's like, okay, this is not bad. You don't make people feel bad for their choices they made. They're just not learned on how to do this. I'd say, why did you get these chips? Well, they were on sale. I'd say, okay, well, let's look, were there any other choices that you could have used? Instead, if you make homemade potato chips, you won't eat as many, number one, because they take a lot of work and they're delicious. And they're actually pretty easy. And I say, next, okay, make homemade potato chips. Can you make homemade kale and potato chips? Can you just make homemade kale chips with some sprinkled Parmesan cheese? Delicious, mm -hmm. right? Kale chips are really easy in the oven. Chips, kale in the oven, salt, little olive oil. It's not so hard. Um, so, but you kind of shift it that way. And then you, it's a transition process. And what you see is these crowded pantries full of processed everything have less and less food, some more bulk stuff. I want people buying in bulk, it's cheaper. Soak your beans, you know, get a, get a rice cooker if you have to. I said, if you, I said, get an Instapot. I did not get an Instapot because my husband would have killed me if I brought home one more device in my kitchen. <laughs> I just could not do it. I, I use a crock pot a lot. I'm a crock pot queen. If I have a dinner party, it's all in the crock pot because it tastes delicious. It tastes like I'm some super cook, which I'm not. I'm an okay cook, but it tastes great when it's been cooking all day. Mm -hmm. So crock pot cooking, so easy. It's literally everything in the pot. I mean, it doesn't get easier than a crock pot. So I have all, I ask all my parents to even either get a crock pot or an Instapot. And crock pots cost about $30. Instapot's on sale. You can get one for 59 in Target or Bed Bath & Beyond if you have the 20% coupon. I'm a coupon shopper. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I love a good deal. Uh, so I get that and then you can start, everything is really tasty. So, and if people have access I, and they have some, some extra money, I have them work with a holistic nutritionist and there are holistic coaches or holistic nutritionists. And if they can afford that, then I have them work with someone to get them on track because we have to reteach things that we didn't learn as children. 
uh, many of us didn't learn this stuff. I didn't. I don't know if you did. Some of you got lucky and your parents taught you. My mom was a 50s mom with canned food. So um, that's what we grew up eating. So I, I always tell people, I grew up eating canned food. I went to college and saw a salad bar and I thought I died. Like, what is that? <laughs> uh -huh. Right. So um, I've come a long way. So these are the kind of things, it sounds so simple for people like us who've been doing this a long time, but we started here too. That's where I started. You know, getting, I had frozen waffles and for my kids for breakfast, and I thought I was giving them a healthy meal. Mm -hmm. It's just changing that mindset, isn't it? And we can retrain ourselves to, to find these better ways. And sometimes we're sort of forced to do it because we don't feel good. We talked a little bit earlier, uh, as we, as we look at all of this and the changes we can make that a lot of people go, but, but I want to understand the data. I want to know what, what are you finding? Can you give us a little bit of that information and what you're finding, what the data is showing us? Sure. I'd be happy to a couple of, a brief piece of data. I think that might help listeners is one, number one, about 46% American American income is spent on eating out. Americans like to eat out. Now, I too enjoy a takeout meal here and there, but there's a problem with it. I'd say 98% of your eating out is going to be caca. And that's caca for real. Because if you, I used to go to Costco shopping as a PTA mom, I used to do the shopping for the school. And when you go to Costco early, all the restaurants come in early. And I would see what, we're a small community, what all our local restaurants were buying. And I can tell you, it wasn't the health food. It was the cheapest oil, the cheapest spices, the cheapest ingredients. And you can make food taste good with fat and salt. And these, and they know how to do it. So I'm thinking, oh, yug. Um, so eating out, if you, um, and unfortunately, a lot of the meals that are quick meals for parents, especially with kids, let's say tacos, or um, if you want to do any kind of takeout, pizza. Pizza, yum. I like pizza. That wheat has one of the highest amounts of Roundup. The highest foods with Roundup are wheat, oats, and legumes. So wheat, although it's not a genetically modified crop, although they're starting to do it right now, farmers will know that, it has high levels of Roundup because we're using Roundup as a desiccant, as a crop desiccant. And same thing with legumes. So, so a pizza, so I, what I say is, well, what about Chinese food? I love Chinese food. All that, they're using canola oil, genetically modified pesticides. They use a lot of soy, genetically modified pesticides. Um, these are not health foods and a lot of grease. Um, uh, same thing with Japanese food. So the great, the takeout options aren't great. So we have something here called Amy's, it's an organic food and we have two Amy's drive-throughs. On my way to work yesterday, I went through the drive-through and got an organic veggie burger on an organic gluten-free bun. I thought I died and went to heaven and it's not badly priced for takeout. Um, there aren't that many organic takeouts, but not many where I live and I'm in a very crunchy area of California. So I'd say, can you do the 80-20 rule? The 80-20 rule is that 80% of the time you're amazing, you're awesome. And then you can let down your standards once a week, get that takeout pizza. If I have the kids eat that takeout pizza, for example, or mom and dad, I have them drink a little um, Mrs. Bragg's apple cider vinegar and water after because apple cider vinegar contains acetobacter and it's one of the few organisms that I'm aware of that breaks down glyphosate. Or I'll have them do NAC um, to help them break down pesticides, or I'll have them do a homeopathic. 
because they will be getting a big dose of pesticides. Some of us can handle it, most of us can't. Most of us cannot. Um, so um, that's uh, one of the piece of data we're gonna take out. The second piece of data is regarding um, cancer. Eventually, most of us are gonna have cancer, one out of two men, one out of three women. And our dogs and cats are not faring any better. Dogs literally have one in 1.6 chance of getting cancer over the age of 10. I lost all my dogs to cancer. Cats are now creeping up. If you saw the, yet again, caca in dog food, because most of us do buy processed dog food and organic dog, dog food and cat food, which I buy is wicked expensive. And I don't want to make my own dog food or cat food right now. I had to draw the line somewhere. But I found some place where I can buy it cheap. Um, so gro grocery, uh, grocery outlet is where I found some. I'm always looking like, how can I make this work? So I'm like a shopping hound. Um, okay, so there was a study that came out. It's about two years old study. I mentioned it before. It's a French study and it was um, a survey. So they surveyed 100, I wanna say roughly average 20,000 of, of their uh, survey uh, participants looking at our diet and cancer. It was mostly women, I think 78% were women. And they found that those individuals that subscribed to an organic diet had a significantly lower risk of cancer than those that did not. And the cancers were the ones that one are associated with Roundup lymphomas, which is a blood cancer and breast cancer. In America, breast cancer is massive as you gals know. Um, I've seen anywhere from one in nine women will have breast cancer. Um, that may give or take, you know, depending on your region, certain areas it's higher or lower, depending where you live. Um, so this is more data. And then, you know, there was another study which showed that nutrient density in food overall over the past 40, 40 years has dropped by 50%. So even though you're eating organic broccoli, that the nutrient density has declined because of soil health overall even if you're not using chemical inputs. So people feel hungry. They're not getting enough nutrients. So people who eat a lot of junk food or processed foods always feel hungry. They eat this huge meal, they're hungry because their bodies are starved for nutrients. And it's not their fault and it's not the farmer's fault. We've been abusing our land globally because we're asking farmers to give us cheap food. And the government is subsidizing conventional farmers. So why is the government uh, we know why. Why aren't they, you know, helping organic farmers, young farmers, um, minority farmers, female farmers, help them get started? Because we don't support organics, we support ag. We support ag. So I say, who do you want to support? Big ag or farmers? I can tell you who I want to support. I'm not, I, I think that's pretty clear from hearing me speak. So I'm saying most of my patients now, I put them on a multivitamin. I don't want them on a multivitamin. I'd rather them get the nutrition from the food. But if I have a kid or a mom or a dad with issues, they're not getting enough nutrients. Before I start treating you, do you have enough nutrients in your body to run your system? I just saw a kid yesterday who had some health issues. We checked his um, nutrient levels. His magnesium and zinc, vitamin D were low, super low. And this is a kid who's eating well. Parents say he eats well. I never know what that means when parents say. I say, do you eat well? I don't even ask them anymore. I, I, I said, show me a picture. <laughs> Everybody says, yeah, we eat really well. Everyone says that until you take a look. I take a pictures of their spice rack, their pantry, their fridge, and their freezer. 
for pictures. Mm -hmm. Because if you're using a lot of salt and pepper, you gotta have to be organic. I, I wanna see it all organic. Buy less, eat less meat if you have to, and more organic. You know, eat more legumes, cut back your meat if you have to. I don't, I don't recommend, you know, you can eat what you need to eat. I, I'm not um, saying don't eat uh, meat. Um, I support meat eating if it's pasture raised, pasture fed, organic, animals are treated humanely, et cetera, et cetera. Um, anyway, so those are the I kind of like three of the key studies and takeaway points um, that show this relationship between our food. And of course, I, I won't go into it now, but I have endless studies on the effects of pesticides and health. I have, there are thousands of studies who show the detriments of pesticides. So we just need to get off that chemical wheel. And I would be so arrogant to tell farmers how to do that, how to transition. I think you guys and Monty can help farmers do that. I imagine there are challenges and transition times. I'm not saying it's easy, but boy, I would really uh, appreciate our farmers supporting what's best for our children's health. We would completely support that, absolutely. And uh, one of the things Monty does say and, and our team is taking it to heart is do the next right thing. So if that's making your cover crop that you're already doing, you've been doing that for years, more diverse, let's go from a, a four mix cover crop to a 14 and let's see what happens to that soil diversity that ends up in that microbiome diversity. All of those things can add up over time. One of the challenges we face with our transitioning farmers to a, a healthier soil system, whatever that looks like, wherever they start, will help them make the next right step forward. But one of the things we've we've been challenged by is they've done it the same way for years, generations even, but that doesn't mean it will work tomorrow. So a fifth generation farm that's relied on some government subsidies, or maybe they've added in rotational grazing or, or brought livestock back to the land, there's still an improvement to be made. So our goal is to help them do the next right thing. And, and you mentioned that too earlier with your different food choices. It doesn't have to be all at once, hard stop. If you can make something like a simple change over, over time, cut out the processed yogurts, do that for a while, then do something else, then add something else in. Those are all steps that our consumers, our parents, moms and dads, and then our farmers can start somewhere to make a step forward in the right direction. You know, I've, I've heard both Ray Archuleta and Gabe Brown talk about this too, as they got into it. And those are the two of the gentlemen that I've listened to speak and I've read Gabe Brown's book and, and they didn't start out this way. We all start out in deeply entrenched in American culture, eating canned foods and processed foods and et cetera, et cetera. So many of us didn't, there are a few of us who were, who were raised on organic farms, uh, you know, of our generation, perhaps, maybe our grandparents, maybe. So we all had to learn how to do this. It's not, and I tell my patients, I, I had to learn, relearn and re-educate myself how to do this. And it wasn't intuitive. And it, there were a lot of stumbling blocks, hard steps, mistakes, like, oh, I thought I was doing the right thing. Oh no, I got to backtrack and start over. And that's what it is. It's a, it's, it's a process. And I understand the financial problem for a farmer to make that transition, but if they can even put one field to organic, you know, if it's a big farm and just begin the process and talk to other farmers who are doing it, how would they know how to do it? It has to be in community. If they can do that to bring us organic produce, it does bring a higher price. People will pay more for organic. And because we recognize the health benefits, 90% of Americans did not want to eat GMOs. 
and 90% of us said no to GMOs, but yet we're still eating them. And so I would say, it, yes, it can be a step-by-step -step process. It's the same for whether we're transitioning in families on eating or farmers on their farms, it can be a process. And you're talking about the cover crops or in the rotations. Um, and also what I learned a lot in my farming course was compost. Was I blown out with the science behind compost? It's not like throwing a few scraps in there and good luck. And once I know, figured out if, if we can have great compost, you can have great soil, utilizing compost both even as a way to prevent uh, nutrient loss and, and fluid loss, but to get away from this bio sludge. That stuff, that wastewater that we are using as fertilizer, oh my God, and that's a huge problem. So what we're using as fertilizer needs to be thought out again again. I saw the movie Biosludged and I was horrified. Um, and people, is, I hope farmers appreciate if they do use Biosludge, there are a lot of pharmaceuticals in the Biosludge that haven't been filtered out. The drugs that people are on, antidepressants, steroids, chemotherapeutics, chemo, can the waste products from that pharma is not being filtered out in a lot of municipal water systems and it could end up in their crops. So this is also part of organic farming is organic fertilizer, organic compost and all that. And I, I really did, I think there should be compost farmers, farmers who just do composting because it's kind of complex. But once you get good at it, like anything else, you know, when I tell when I tell the gals, when I first learning to crochet and knit, I thought I, I, I was dying. It was so complicated. Now I can do this, right? Like I'm just, I thought I can, in my sleep, I can crochet because I've done it so much. Repetition, muscle memory, and we have to relearn. That's all. And so I'd say we keep at it. We don't get discouraged. We make mistakes. But um, so I think we are in a very perilous time. Um, and the fact that we did not hear much about immune function and nutrition during the pandemic should wake up every farmer because the key to immune health is food health. And it's really that simple. So this is even a request to farmers, help us with our pandemic by supplying us with the food we need to keep our immune systems healthy. And, and we will support you the best we can through these open conversations. And there are folks, there are many folks like me who want to be in community and support the farmer. It's it's not like, you know, uh, the hell with the farm. It's like, oh no, support the farmer. Um, and we have, there's so much here um, in Marin farm to table events that are going on. And we have this one farm right north of us, Terra Farms. Um, they, he in the summer has dance concerts there at his farm. I mean, I thought that's creative. He makes some money. He had created an open seating area. It's outdoors, no COVID. And he had a little stage made with some leftover planks and he has dance concerts. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, well, there you go. And the farmer makes some money on an area that he's not using. Um, so it's just, there's so much that we can do together in being creative because I think as farmers transition to organic, their income is going to go down as that three-year transition period, maybe they're gonna lose income. So if we could help them support their income. And here in California, um, CCF, uh, CCOF, uh, I am on a committee called the California Organic Product Advisory Committee. We have excess money from the money that farmers pay in for their um, certifica certifications. And we offer grants here in California 
for California organic programs. And that's just what I'm working on right now is so farmers can apply for grants for, for projects and they and that may be true in other areas. So if farmers want, they come in California, they go to COPAC, they can submit a proposal and there is money. There is a good amount of money left over from their fees to support their education, research and equity. Excellent. And I think that gives them a great way to be able to get their foot in the door to start some of these things. And sometimes that's what they need. So uh, Michelle, we, you know, you've just covered so much stuff. You're, you're such a wealth of, of knowledge and, and, and practical experience of this. And I really appreciate it. And I'd love for, as our listeners are thinking, you know, there's no one like her in my area to talk to. Can you tell us a little bit about a project that you're getting ready to roll out? That's a new direction that you're taking that, that people with the, with the benefits of technology would be able to really take advantage of this, um, from anywhere, I would presume. I don't know if you can if you can have people join from all over the country, but could you tell us a little bit about your next project? Yeah, you know, Kim, thank you so much for that. I totally forgot about it. Um, I get so wrapped up in this topic. Um, so I've come back around to parents and education and uh, starting on September 7th, I am launching, launching drmichellepera.com. And what is that? It is um, training for parents on different topics. It's a membership. No one will be turned away for lack of funds, by the way. I'm not that gal. And I'm going to be covering topics. And it'll be weekly Zooms. I'm going to do a very brief presentation, 10 minutes. You don't need to hear me yak on forever. And then parents can ask me questions in live in, in real time. They can submit them on chat. I haven't figured it out yet, or even live. I might have a producer who's working with me. And I'm going to let it all out, all the information. I will not be treating individual parents as children, of course. There will be every kind of medical disclaimer to protect me. But what I can give lots of practical information. I have ways that people can get the supplements they need from quality because I have researched all the quality supplements. But it's not going to be like a buy program. i rather not people not buy supplements if they spend it on their food. That's always the first priority. If you're buying supplements and not buying organic, no, stop right there. I say no. Um, and so uh, September 7th, drmichellepero.com and I'll start doing a media blitz. I'll send it out soon um, because I really want to get it back to parents. The first month we're covering immune function in kids. And um, I will be talking about how to support their immune system. Excellent. Couldn't be a more timely topic for sure. So that's great. Well, Megan, I don't know if you had any other questions. Well, I always have a lot of questions for her because I value her, her insights there with so many different things, but what you said at the end right there is a bit pivotal for me, even personally in that why not invest in your food more and decrease the need for inputs in our own body by, by putting better food in our systems. And that, that's a pretty great thing to, to ruminate on a little bit there for our families and even for our farmers, getting our farmers healthier themselves and making, making choices that they can improve themselves and their farms. And that'll help all of us. So uh, Dr. Perro, thank you for all of your, your pieces of info that we get to think about and try and apply. And you, again, Kim mentioned it too. You give practical ways that we can start some of these next right steps forward. So thank you.
My pleasure. And I'd like to end with a note for farmers because the only data I don't have is on the health of farmers. And we can maybe take that to the next Ag Emerge because we've been at this a long time. But I also, as I tell my own kids who do some caretaking, I said, if the caretaker goes down, the whole system goes down. So if the farmers themselves are not healthy, and I, I suspect they do have some health challenges from perhaps working with pesticides for many years, but let's get the data. We'll save that for the next talk. But if the farmer goes down, the whole thing is going to collapse, a whole house of cards. So I say, farmer, protect thyself. You know, you also need to get your own health in check because um, the healing begins with you first. It's loving yourself first, nurturing yourself first, because if that doesn't happen, the rest can unfold. So what you do here to yourself then can be manifested in your world. So we can end on that note, perhaps. Yes. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for the fact that you do care for our growers and farmers. And, and I know that that's a focus and just your passion for, for just really wanting to help. And so we really appreciate it. We appreciate your time today and we look forward to everyone getting to hear what we've talked about today. So thanks again so much. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Ag Emerge. And uh, it was lovely chatting with you gals. Appreciate it. As you can tell, Dr. Perro is passionate about working together to understand the soil health, human health connection. And if you'd like more information about what we're doing to help growers implement soil health practices, check out our website at asn.farm. And there you can click on links to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. There's a lot of great things happening and always something to learn. Thanks for listening.